Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, that's me, ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is gonna be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Have you ever covered a carpet stain with a rug? Ignored a leaky faucet? Pretended your half-painted living room is supposed to look like that? Well, you're not alone. We've all got unfinished home projects. But there's an easier way. When you download Thumbtack, it's easier to care for your home from top to bottom. Pull out your phone and in just a few taps, you can search, chat, and book highly rated pros right in your neighborhood. Plus, you'll know what to tackle next because Thumbtack is the app that shows you what to do, who to hire, and when. So say goodbye to all those unfinished home projects and say hello to caring for your home the easier way. Download Thumbtack and start a project today. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. June's Journey is a fascinating hidden object mystery gaming app where you'll play as June Parker, Tasked with a daunting obligation, solve your sister's murder. Set in the 1920s, the era of glitz and glam, this family mystery is one for the ages. Everyone's a suspect until your investigation determines otherwise. The clues are all around you, hidden within tricky twists and turns. You'll collect detailed information about each character in your photo album where you'll comb over every detail. You can even join a detective's club to chat and play with others or against them in the detective's league. With hundreds of puzzles to solve, you should probably get started today. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. This episode is brought to you in part by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat, like The Guest List by Lucy Foley. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. This episode of Travel Today with Peter Greenberg is brought to you by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio information and entertainment. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Sign up today at www.audiblepodcast.com slash travel today to get a free audiobook and 30-day trial. It's time for Peter Greenberg Worldwide with America's number one travel news journalist. And now, the man who travels over 400,000 miles each year, your travel detective, Peter Greenberg. 
Hi, everybody. Peter Greenberg here, and welcome to the podcast that's done from a different location around the world every single week. One day Canada, the next day Thailand, then New York, London. You just never know. This week we come to you from South Missouri. We're in Branson, Missouri, in the Ozarks. Joining me now, she's uh, actually two and a half years into her term, elected first term in April of 2015, the mayor of Branson, Karen Best. Welcome, Madam Mayor. Hi, Peter Greenberg, and welcome to Branson. Well, thank you. Now, you've you've lived here for about, about 15 years? I've been there 15 years, and I absolutely love it. Well, you grew up in that really long-distance city called Springfield, right? I mean, you didn't have far to go. I did. I had a, you know, 40-mile drive, and sometimes it would take us three hours, and now we have four-lane roads, and it takes 30 minutes, and what a difference it makes today. All right, so what first brought you to to, to Branson, which made you want to stay? You know, we have such beauty in the Ozarks. It was the lake where you could play and you could work, and you know when you're working— you feel like you're on vacation every day, and what a great place to live for your vacation. Was that your, was that your was that your campaign slogan? No, it wasn't. But you <laughs> know what? I think that might be for my third term. What do you think? <laughs> I'd be careful about that one. You don't want to have too much fun. <laughs> that's, so that's true. That's true. And you've seen a lot of the growth. We have seen so much growth. It's it's been wonderful. It's great to watch Branson diversify. Of course, everyone knows that we have the great music shows on our Highway 76 strip. But, you know, there's some other things that are coming to town, and we're diversifying our experience. And so, you know, there's something for everyone. Well, give me an example of, of something that's happening in Branson or has happened in Branson over the last, let's say, two or three years that came even as a surprise to you. You know, the, one of the biggest surprises to me has been Ballparks of America. It's where kids 12 and under come for a week-long camp. And the kids actually stay with their teams on property. We repurposed an old, um, an old mall and made it into five replica stadiums. And while the kids are playing baseball, the parents, the grandparents, the aunts and uncles, they're catching everything that Branson has to do. And, you know, it's so much fun to watch the kids get out because most of them have never been to Branson before. And to watch them do things like Bigfoot, our, our new adventure on the Strip, it's really fun to watch them have fun. Well, I have, I have the obvious question. What about a baseball camp for guys like me? The, the heck you know, with the kids. I think, that, I think that's wonderful. We'll, we'll expand that to where it's a little bit older than 12 years old, and y'all can come have fun as well. Sure, but we'll, we'll call it the Orthopedic League. I love that. I love that. I think I could probably play in that league as well. Sure. You, you, know, you get up to bat either with a bat or a crutch. You can do it. I can do it. Hey, works for me? I think that's great. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So we actually host 80% of youth baseball because we have the Cal Ripken World Series, and we also have the Youth Baseball World Series. The only one we don't have is Little League. So, right. That's, um, always played, that's always played in the same place every year. That's always played in New York, so hopefully someday we can host them as well. But it's, it's really fun to watch the kids come and have such a great time. You know, people are tend to be geographically ignorant. They don't realize where Branson is. They don't realize about the Ozarks. They don't realize about the water, the lakes. Um, and I, I'm just always fascinated with, with the fact that people get here and they're just so surprised. They, they are. You know, I had the joy of bringing Philip Bailey, the lead singer of Earth, Wind, and Down, Fire, down to golf with me. And he was like, I don't get Branson. Why do people go to Branson? And after playing two championship golf courses and seeing how beautiful it was, 
he's like, I get it. I get it. I always feel if we can get people's brains in once, we can get them coming back time and time again. I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. My next guest, here's the story. Spent 25 years in corporate finance and risk management, and then he did something smart. He, let's go back to Field of Dreams. Let's go back to living a lifelong dream passionately and, and since, I mean, like t really plugging in to an emotional response that every kid of any age has, and that is he was the founder and is the founder of something called Ballparks of America. Hamilton Chang, welcome to the show. Thank you. So explain this to me, because it's a way for kids to really live out their fantasies. It really is. It really is. We've built what we consider to be sort of the Epcot Center of youth baseball here in beautiful Branson, Missouri. So when do I get to play? <laughs> uh, you're welcome anytime. The, the, the turf is very, very forgiving. We have very, very... Uh... <laughs> but are we talking Little League stadiums? For the most part, yeah. It's yeah. Youth, youth baseball, about two-thirds scale replicas. And who comes to play there? It is really kids from around the country, in fact, the world. So they book their time here. They do. So it's 10 to 13-year-olds come in, they play. The bulk of our season is over the summer when kids have spring. Sure, they're out of school. Sure. Exactly. So they come here for a full week. So what you're telling me, since this is airing on September 30th, I can go play. You can go play. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but seriously, I mean, I wish I would have had that when I was growing up. I didn't. It didn't exist. It really didn't. Uh, well, there are two other facilities in the country who do what we do, which is housing the kids in these team suites where they get to hang out with their buddies, 10, 11, 12, 13-year-old friends, and the coaches, and then they play a full week of baseball. So the whole team comes in as a team? They do. They come in as a team, and like I said, there's really only a couple other places in the country where they can do that, and they really just get to bond. Now, there's a, there's a tournament, of course. There, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, wrapped around, yeah. it's wrapped around a national, in fact, international term, uh, tournament. We've had teams from, gosh, Japan, Korea, Australia, New Zealand, Mexico, uh, Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico. I do not want to play the guys from the Dominican uh, Republic. Yeah, no, some of them are about as big as me. Or Cuba, okay. or Japan. They will kick my you-know-what. So Japan won the World Series. Shocked. Yeah, they, they did. They were fantastic. Uh, we were broadcast nationally on Nessun and uh, Comcast Sports Network and DirecTV. So it was neat. And where do you go from here? Because you have a limited season, right? How many, how many parks are we actually talk about? How many stadiums? We have five replica stadiums. That are when you say all replica, replicas of what? Iconic stadiums from Chicago and Boston. You have Yankee Stadium? We, what? Sorry. What did you... Excuse me? No, I'm sorry. Uh, okay, it, wait, you have Wrigley Field, right? You have Wrigley. Yes. Okay, you have Fenway. <clears throat> yes. What else? Oh, gosh. Chavez Ravine? Ebbets, Ebbets Field. Oh, not... From the old Brooklyn Dodgers, you so expect it's not these exactly... Kids, hold it, wait. Do you expect these kids to know Ebbets Field? I, I want all these kids to learn at least one thing new every day, so Ebbets Field might be the thing that they learned today as new. Well, I'm going to date myself. When my parents got their first television set, black and white, which had to warm up for about two Absolutely, minutes before we yeah. turned it on, I remember at the age of six years old, turning it on and watching Junior Gilliam steal second base at Ebbets Field yeah. before the Dodgers moved west. Yeah. Yeah. 
So that's part of it is, is to, right, we were replicating really neat elements of a lot of these uh, iconic stadiums. Um, and then, you know, Bush Stadium from St. Louis is one of the other iconic ones and uh, Detroit Stadium. The old one? So it's actually a mix of Briggs, which is the way the dimensions are. <laughs> but then we've taken some of the elements of Comerica Field, too. So not the old Cleveland Stadium? Not the old one, nope. Nope. And not the old Milwaukee one. Not the old one. Milwaukee. Okay, okay. Just, uh, that was County Stadium. I remember. We have twenty more acres here, and once we have uh, right all, all, our waiting list established here at Ballparks of America, we'll be adding more because we have twenty more acres, and we'd like to add more iconic fields. Now you have umpires. We do. Right. You have called balls and strikes. <laughs> I mean, it's real. Uniforms. It, it, it absolutely is real Stats. Yeah, to see. Yes. So we actually, unlike a lot of the tournaments that the kids will go to throughout the summer. We actually have people behind every single home plate calling the game. Walk-up music. Uh, every single one of our bum, summer interns go. Every single one of our summer interns, right? They 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 walk the roster over to the coaches, and we talk about how to pronounce each one of the uh, the kids. Yeah, names. you got to get the names right. We do, because otherwise the kid will be in therapy. Yeah, I know. No, yep. I got it. There, there. Now, how many games will you play in a season? Oh gosh, uh, we we actually started our first tournament March 11th, and we will play until mid-November. That's a long season. Yep. And each week we have the capacity to hold up up to 40 teams. 40? 40 teams. 600 kids, 600 players and coaches every single Because they'll play more than one game a day. They will. They'll, in essence, play you know, a doubleheader, doubleheader as a seeding round, and then they'll, they'll turn around and we'll do a single elimination tournament. What's the wildest game you saw? Oh, gosh. So many fun games, walk-off home runs uh, this this year. Like I said, international teams. The, the, quite honestly, the most fun I had watching baseball was in the evening when the official games were over, and we'd turn on the lights at one of our fields, and it would be just kids from different states, different cities, different I'll countries. Pick up, pick up game. Pick up wiffle ball. Pick oh, up come on, blitz, really? Yeah, pick up blitz ball, pick up wiffle ball, and also a little bit of ultimate Frisbee to sort of work different muscles for these kids. But it was great just to hear different languages and different, right, different communities getting together. If you are continuing on to another Southwest destination, please make sure that you check the monitors inside the terminal for your proper gate and flight information. If you are continuing on with another airline, we really don't care. Joining me now is an escapee from Southern California. Um, and, and interesting background because you know me as the travel editor for CBS News. She was at CBS, a, a television producer at CBS. Your husband was at CBS. And then in 1986, 31 years ago, he went on an expedition. Where? He put the expedition together and went to the Titanic. Titanic was found in 1985. The following year, he put Was a that Ballard? Ballard found Titanic yeah. on September 1st, 1985. Following year, he put in a $6 million expedition together. Wow. And shooting video all the time. And figuring out how to get all those cables down there with the lighting and all the camera systems. You know, people don't realize, once you get below a certain level, if you don't have serious lighting, you see nothing. Nothing. It was black. Black. Mm -hmm. So, needless to say, he returned. He returned. How did you get to Branson? That's a great story. I received, uh, I was at uh, ABC uh, Disney uh, as an executive over many television shows. And one of the television shows I brought to uh, the network was the Regis and Kathy Lee show. Which I used to do. Yes. Oh, my God. That's why I said we met. We have met. So um, I received a letter, as I did from many cities, asking if uh, we would bring the show to their location. And I went... Uh, Ozark, I don't know where that is. 
because I knew L.A. and I knew Chicago and I so knew the, so this New is York. A, this is a flyover. Flyover. Yeah. Yeah. So I said to my husband one day and the executive producer for uh, Live with Regis and Kathy Lee, I said, I don't know what this Ozark Branson is, but let's go down there and check it out. So we came here. John came with me, my husband, the executive producer. And when we left, I went back to the studio and I said, you know, we've traveled this show on the East Coast, West Coast, Chicago. I think it's time we bring it to Branson, Missouri. And the studio went, are you no way right. are you bringing a show to Branson, Missouri. And I said, no, wait a minute. No, no. I said, it, it's not what you think. I'm going to be able to market this show to 12 television stations, all the radio stations that would never have access to two personalities like them. So I brought the show. They did come. We did four shows, and we did 25,000 people in four days. Wow. Mm -hmm. Amazing. So we were introduced to Branson at that point. So John and I um, kind of looked at ourselves and said, you know what? We've got to get stay grounded. So we came here to Branson every July 4th, and we stayed at Big Cedar. And <laughs> we stayed there for 10 years every July 4th. And in the meantime, John had traveled all of his artifacts, and he said he wanted to build a permanent location. After much research, he said, I'm going to build it in Branson, Missouri. Now, of course, when I think the word Titanic, I immediately think Branson, Branson Missouri. Branson, Missouri. <laughs> right. <laughs> so he said. Wasn't the Titanic headed for Branson when it hit the iceberg? It was, yes. In fact, we probably wouldn't have a problem with the global warming that we have today. <laughs> Titanic would have never hit an iceberg. You stayed up late for that one, I know. Yeah. But bottom line is, it's here. It's here. Yes. And, and it, we were all honored to be in this community. I, I joined John, and together we built this in 206. Okay, so this is a serious deal. Mm -hmm. What's in that museum? Um, the concept of the museum is to pay respect to the 2,208 that were aboard this ship. And included in that is um, 400 artifacts. And um, we tell the stories every day. We have a Titanic college. All of our uh, cast and crew go through a Titanic college. Because there's nothing worse than going in a museum and people don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, you have to have context. Mm -hmm. Without context, it doesn't work. Right. That's one thing to say content is king. No, context is king. Mm -hmm. We spend too much time chasing fire trucks and not enough time explaining the fire. Mm -hmm. And I... Um, I have, uh, when people say, well, who comes to the Titanic? It is women with children. And our demo is 25 to 54 with women with children. And that's our core audience. And well, by the way, what was the demographic of the people who saw the movie? Women under the age of 26 who saw it three and four times because for them it, was, it wasn't yeah. history. It was a love and story. It, it's hard for people to believe, but it's been 20 years since this December that James Cameron released his Titanic movie. Okay. You know what? You've now succeeded in making me feel really, really old. Well, how do you think I feel? Oh, wait a second. Okay, so I now have to ask the question. How many people come to the museum, find a corner to stand on and say, I'm the king of the world? Well, they always ask us, can, can we go up to the bow of the ship? Because the ship is shaped like a ship. And you mean the museum? The museum, yeah. yes. And so we uh, always say, well, you'd have to change the entire look of the ship because of the rules today. So we can't let people up there. But late at night, you <laughs> sneak in and do it. Well, John you? and I do. Oh, okay, fine. Just double check. <laughs> but what's the biggest surprise, either in terms of an artifact or a story, that people think they know about the Titanic that now they do know? Well, when um, young people come in and they are so excited to be at the Titanic and they, they are nervous and the kids and they, the parent will always say, my kid knows everything about Titanic. And we say, oh, that's good. 
and we look at the child and we say, how many dogs were aboard? Most people don't know the answer to that. Tell me. Ten dogs were aboard and three survived. And the most asked question wow. is, how, how did in they, the world did they did survive? survive? Well, they were in the cabins with their passengers. And when the passengers got up on the lifeboats, they took them with them. They were little dogs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, today, all ten would survive because they'd be classified as emotional support animals. Yeah. Well, we have yeah. that a lot of that. Yeah, we, we, we know that yeah. problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, but bottom line, okay, there's one. How many dogs are on board? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. How much? How much of the silverware in the china did you find? Well, let me let me tell you a story. When John um, photographed and videotaped, and there were three quarter inch tapes in those days, he you keep making me feel old. And well, and he sent it to his office, and from um, out where they are at sea, and he said, "Go look at the pictures." And I went to the office and I looked at the pictures, and the very first pictures I saw of Titanic were all the egg plates, as if they were still in the crates, all lined up, ready to be served. So he photographed all that. Yeah, and I was just, I couldn't believe how beautiful the pictures were. My baby beside me at the wheel Cruising and playing the radio With no particular place to go Audible.com has more than 150,000 titles and virtually every genre. So check it out for yourself. Sign up today at www.audiblepodcast.com slash travel today to get a free audiobook and 30-day trial. For those of you who listen to the show regularly, you know I never do the show, if at all possible, without talking to at least the category of my next guest. And that is because anytime I go to a new city, a new town, a new village, a new district, the best place to go for information is not the Convention and Visitors Bureau, it's not the Chamber of Commerce, it's not the, the tourism board. It's the firehouse. And the reason is simple. They've been to everybody's house. They've been to everybody's hotel. They've been in everybody's restaurant. They live there. They know what's going on. They also know where not to go. Who better to talk to than my next guest, the fire chief of Branson, Ted Martin. How are you, sir? Great. Doing well. Did you like that introduction? That was fantastic. Hey, yeah, how many years have you been here? 32? Uh, just a long time and about the last 20-plus with a fire department. So it's been a great place to live, work, and play. Now, I'm a volunteer firefighter. You started as a volunteer fire department. I did at College of the Ozarks, a campus just south of Branson, just a mile or two. The College of the Ozarks, known as Hard Work U, has a working fire station on campus and a uh, fire science degree program. Now, that's fairly new, even though the campus is a little bit over 100 years old. And if you're doing the Ozarks, that means you're getting out in the woods. That's exactly right. So You're doing a different kind of firefighting. Well, it is a little bit different here. Great hills and hollows and, and woods to go with it. So you've got the scenery and the things to protect here. So a very dynamic small town of 10,500 people that we get to host about 8 million people annually. So we'd love to come see you. So if I have a, if, I'm going to hear a wild guess. Most of your calls are medical? They are standard like most fire departments, around 75 or 80% are medical uh, we have a very, Same thing with my department. We're, yeah. we're medevacs. We, we have a very low fire loss here, and I'd, I'd credit back to some good aggressive fire prevention tactics that we have. We have a good uh, building, planning, zoning department program here, so we're, we're in from the ground up, and then we work with our uh, businesses here as well just to reduce risk. And you're upgrading your codes. We are. We're constantly staying within about a three-year cycle of the international codes. What's interesting to me is I look back at the Grenville Towers fire in London, which I'm sure you remember not too long ago, and if you look at the video, you couldn't, you couldn't see a, sing, a single hose above the sixth floor because they couldn't get there, number one. Number two, the fire spread so rapidly, they said because of the bad cladding on the building, 
No, the building wasn't sprinkled. Yeah. There were no sprinklers inside the building, no sprinklers inside the rooms. They had been grandfathered in the codes. You, we're, we're, we're here at the convention center. How many sprinklers do we have in here? You're fully protected in this structure. Exactly. Yeah. Now the real challenge for all fire departments is can you, uh, you know, prevail upon your city fathers to upgrade the codes retroactively so that nobody gets grandfathered in? That is a big challenge, and we do see some of the older construction from back in the, you know, say, 60s and 70s, but a lot of that is one- and two-story max. Anything built since the, what, what we talked about, the building boom back in the 90s, has really met modern building codes and standards. So anything over 55 feet, we treat like a high-rise. So you've got areas of refuge and the sprinkler systems and positive pressure uh, stairwells. So any of our lodging facilities that are that tall have extra features built into them. And the thing is, people forget how important that is. I mean, I go to some hotels to this day, not necessarily in this country, where they have a smoke detector in the room, but it's battery-powered. Of course, what do the guests do? They steal the batteries. They don't work. They, they tend to get pulled, and, and that's why we do our fire and risk safety inspections with our businesses. It's all about reducing risk and making this a, place safe, or a, a safe place for our guests to be. And once you've got the sprinklers in there, you've got the smoke detectors in both the hallways and the rooms, right, and it's hardwired, you got a shot. Absolutely. All the way through, plus the sprinkler systems and protected stairwells with the fire doors. So there's a lot of systems and structures designed to protect those guests system-wide. What's your biggest challenge here? The biggest challenge is just keeping up with growth. And as a lot of the municipalities will see that, and, and that we've kind of tried to be strategic, but when you see the tourism growth here and the folks that come visit that want to work or, I'm sorry, play and, and uh, spend their time here, we need to make sure we keep up services for police, fire, EMS to meet that service delivery need. And the thing is this, people who are on vacation, this doesn't just apply to Branson, it applies to Las Vegas. I mean, major resort destinations who forget to take their meds or not watching their clocks, right? They think they're on vacation, so none of the regular rules apply. That's your big call. You, you did hit it, and people go on vacation, they forget about the medications. I don't have to do that. I don't have to eat right. I don't have to watch the pills that we take. And we just encourage people to be familiar with their location, to know that we have a full 911 phone system here in, in Branson and Tenney County, and, and for sure take your medications, and believe it or not, don't share them. Uh, they get on the tour buses and they share back and forth. And Come on. The silly things, you've seen it, we've seen it, and, and we're going to have a good time at Branson, but let, let's do it right with the medications. Okay, bottom line is when you get the call, you're rolling EMS at the same time, right? We are. We have a countywide paramedic service here, and the fire departments do first response. Uh, again, we run about 4,000 to 4,500 calls per year for service. And, and, again, we do a lot of that just uh, from the first response level to get quick response to the patients, to the guests that are here in Ozark Mountain Country, and then definitive care to a local hospital. All right, the most important question, Chief, for someone like me, forget it's me, anybody, can they show up at the firehouse and do a ride-along? Absolutely. In fact, That's right. okay, yeah. now we're talking. Okay. If, if you'll come to the firehouse, in fact, the police department will do it too, but uh, we become a tourism destination as well in the fire station. You'll see several hundred fire department patches that we wear in our uniforms that we have displayed around the firehouse, and, and so people come through, can we buy a T-shirt for our son? Uh, can we uh, swap out T-shirts or patches, challenge coins, so come by and see us when you see Branson. All right, and I get to go for a ride, too. Come on down. All right, Ted Martin, the fire chief of Branson. How many years? 32? 32 years in Branson, 22 with the city of Branson. Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away. If you can use some exotic booze, there's a bar in far Bombay. Come on and fly with me. Let's fly, let's fly away. Come fly with me. My next guest graduated from Disney. 
He graduated from SeaWorld. He even graduated from one of my most, most favorite places in the world, the Georgia Aquarium. What an amazing place that is. And now he's the museum director of Wonders of Wildlife right here in Branson. Mark Schaefer, how are you, man? I'm doing great, Peter. And I said Georgia Aquarium because, you know, the beluga whale, unbelievable. Yes, they are fantastic. But and, they come right, and they come right up to the window. They do. They're very interactive animals, but nothing like what we have here at the Wonders of Wildlife. All right, so tell me what you're going to surprise me with. Well, you know what? The Wonders of Wildlife, Johnny has created just something that is absolutely This is special. Johnny Morris. Johnny For people Morris. who don't know any better, he owns a small little dinky store called, what is it? Mass Bow Shops? What is it? What is it? <laughs> Bass oh, oh, Pro. Bass, I, know, I know. Founder of Bass Pro. I know. I Absolutely. Know. You, can't, you can't put me in that store. You know, I'll end up with three outboard motors I don't need. You know this. <laughs> yes. Okay, go ahead. So he has created something that's absolutely unique for uh, the uh, conservation world. He has created two uh, tours. One is wildlife galleries, and the other is a 1.5 million gallon aquarium that's both salt and fresh water. In the wildlife galleries, you'll get to experience animals, record game animals from around the world in their natural settings that are respectfully displayed in those natural settings. And Johnny was inspired by the Museum of Natural History when he created the wildlife okay, galleries. Okay, but let's talk about museum, because I grew up in that museum. Yeah. Way before they did the movie, okay? Yeah. Not at the museum. When I first went there, every animal there was stuffed. Every animal there was, you know, you could look through a window and go, oh, that's a bison, that's a moose, right? How are you different? We're different because Johnny has made these, uh, these experiences highly immersive. A great example is Sheep Mountain. It is set in the Himalayan mountains. You step into the habitat. You feel like you're in the Ham Himalayan mountains. You see a hand-painted sky overhead. Over a four-minute light cycle, you will see stone sheep set in this uh, mountainous terrain that are depicted from uh, morning to sunset. And over four minutes, you get to see them in those different hues. And then you've got cold air blowing down on you, and you hear the howl of the wind. You feel like you're in the Himalayas seeing these magnificent animals. You feel like you got to go to Bass Pro Shops and get a tent. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> yes, you do. And some cold winter gear. Exactly. Right? But, I mean, you don't just have animals from the Ozarks. It's all around the world. It's all around the world. We have animals from Africa. You've got elephants and giraffes and lions, and you're about like a foot away from them, and you see just the power and the immensity of these animals animals set in their natural habitats and you feel the warmth of the air and you feel that you hear the animal sounds around you and you feel like you're in Africa you're in the savannas it's fantastic what's the biggest surprise when people visit you for the first time you know it's just uh, the immersion that you get in every experience you get on the wildlife gallery side as well as in the aquarium in the aquatic world you go inside the habitats your first one you go into is the open ocean and you'll see these pelagic animals that just swim all the time and you'll see big leopard rays from the Indian Ocean you'll see cobia from the Atlantic you get to see some fantastic animals and you get to walk into those habitats and you're immersed in it it's around you you're not just looking at it you're in it and what's the education educational component to this? Well, it's all these magnificent animals that are out there. And you know, the fact of the matter is that we believe and want to promote that hunters and anglers really are the leading conservationists in this country. What we enjoy today is the fruits of their labor because they set back in the early 1900s and said, you know what, we don't want to see all these beautiful animals lost forever. So we want to be taxed so we can fund habitat restoration. We want to be regulated so these animals aren't over harvested. And so today we look at white-tailed deer as a great example where around the turn of the century there was about a half a million of them. Today we enjoy a stable herd of over 30 million white-tailed deer. We wow. as get to enjoy that because hunters stood up and said tax us, regulate us so these animals can prosper. 
And that's just one example of many. Turkeys, wild turkeys were brought back. They were almost extinct. They were brought back in the United States. On the fishing side, we have redfish in Texas that were almost extinct in the late uh, 70s. And because uh, fishermen in the, in, the, in the Texas fisheries, uh, State Department uh, uh, protected them, they're now back plentiful as ever, and they're, and they're being caught, and they're just a fun game fish to go after. Are there endangered fish right here in Missouri? You know, uh, there are sturgeon and so forth that we're trying to bring back, and, and the Missouri Department of Conservation is doing efforts to bring those animals back and paddlefish and other things like that that were here in the past. And so there are efforts going on today, and we believe that we'll be successful like we were with the white-tailed deer and redfish. Mark Schaefer, the museum director, Wonders of Wildlife, right here in Branson, Missouri. Thank you so much, man. Hello, and welcome to Alaska Flight 438. We'd like to tell you now about some important safety features of this aircraft. The most important safety feature we have aboard this plane is the flight attendants. Please look at one now. When you think about Branson, and I, I go back probably 25, 30 years here, um, the number of entertainment venues has grown exponentially. The number of types of entertainment has grown, I mean, staggeringly. Um, and the number of choices, obviously, along with it. Uh, my next guest knows all about that. He's the entertainment writer for the Branson Tri-Lakes News and has the perfect radio voice of all radio voices, Joshua Clark. Hello, Joshua. Well, now, Philip. There we go. Spot, okay. There. <laughs> <laughs> I see I prepped you for that. Uh, you're not from here. You're not, uh, you're not from around here now, are you? No, sir. No, sir. I'm from uh, originally from South Mississippi, down around Pascagoula. It's in between Biloxi and Mobile. Oh, I know where it is, right on the water. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. Absolutely. What brought you to Branson? Um, I, to be honest, my father came up here in the early 90s and the, the, the boom years is what we like to call it. And now, can I tell you my idea of early 90s? Sure. Okay. Tony Orlando and Dawn. Uh-huh. Right? Uh-huh. Andy Williams. Uh-huh. Um, I'm, I'm missing a country western guy. Um... Not Mickey. Mickey Gilley wasn't here then, was he? He, yes, sir. He was. Okay, he was not ninety three. Is kind of yeah. that's kind of what okay. I'm thinking. That's what we're talking. John about. Davidson was here. Jim Stafford. John was here. Davidson. There we go. Mm -hmm. I, I knew. Okay, now I'm really dating myself <laughs> because I remember John Davidson when he used to do the show out in L. A. in Burbank at, the, at NBC. Yeah. Would that be Hollywood Square, sir? Uh, yes, and that was one of them. He also did another show, too. He had his own talk show for us. Oh, that's right. Yes, that's he did. Right. Yes, he did. Had excellent hair. So your dad dragged you along. Uh, yes, actually, we would come. Folks got divorced, and you know, we would come and stay summers with dad. So I guess I was 17. I had just graduated from high school. First job I ever had was washing dishes at Gilly's Texas Cafe, which was right across the parking lot from Gilly's Theater. And that's still here. It is still here. <clears throat> it's not open right now. Uh, Gilly sold the theater a couple years back. And sort of stepped away. And then Johnny Lee told me a couple years back that if you want to get booked in Branson, move away. Because that's what happened. Johnny moved away. And then he and Gilly were asked to come back and do some shows. So, I got you. But you stayed. I did stay. Um, it's a... Uh, this is a very unique place. that you know. There, there's millions of people who visit here every single year. But at the end of the day, we're only a town of just over 10,000 people. So it really is a small town atmosphere, and it's all about the connections that you make. And the folks here are why people keep coming back year after year. What shirt are you wearing? <laughs> this is a Branson original. There's a cat who works at one of the shows in town named Larry Allred. And Larry is sort of like a Branson famous celebrity. And uh, he works for Grand Country Music Hall. And I've been pestering the general manager to make Because he almost shirts. looks like an older Gatlin brother. He really does. He could yeah. pass for Larry's the older brother. Okay, I'm just double checking. I just had to, I just had to mention that. 
What would you say is the, is the you've been here since the, the early 90s. So in the last 27 years, so, so I know I'm, I can do the math. What's been the biggest change? Wow, I would, if, okay, I would probably say the, you hit on a little bit as far as the greater amount of options that there are here in town. <clears throat> I would say the number of attractions have really risen and not just regular roadside attractions. Like every, every year or so you'll see an $8 million or a $10 million or a $12 million attraction pop up here and there, be it a mountain coaster, be it the Bigfoot on the strip, be it whatever it is, Fritz's Adventure, whatever. And then you also have to look at the impact that Silver Dollar City has had. I and mean, they just recently announced, I think it's 26 or 29, what's a couple million dollars between friends, but they're building this huge, massive roller coaster. The last time I did the show, we did it in Silver Dollar City. That's a great place. Yeah. It's tough to beat Silver Dollar. And so many folks come down here just to go to Silver Dollar City, and they end up staying, taking them to the Lake, taking them some shows. It's really once you come to town and see what we have, the biggest problem that I have with folks is there are these misconceptions about Branson and okay. what it is. Hit me. It's where senior citizens take their parents for vacations. That's what I hear all the time. And while technically, yes, it, it is that, it's so much more, too. It's, you, can, you can bring your family here and not have to worry about being offended or seeing anything offensive. But you can still have fun. Just because it's, it's not offensive doesn't mean it's all Mickey Mouse. I mean, there are adult things to, hear, to do here, and there are also kids' things to do here. What's the most surprising thing to do here that would go against the stereotype? We have a lot of... Um, uh, out-of-the-way watering holes that feature all sorts of live entertainment. Um, from, you know, you might see an adult puppet show at an open mic night or a gangster rapper from the 90s. Okay, by. so in the middle of Branson, there's an adult puppet show with a lot of alcohol? Is that what you're telling <laughs> Not me? in the middle of Branson, but there are venues where you could see things if that's your bag. And you're on an open mic. Oh, but you're telling me there is. Yes. Oh, totally. Okay, I'm just double checking. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. totally. Okay. Like, we're not going to put it on a billboard, obviously, but, you know, we do have those things here. So if you're coming to Branson and you just have this need to go see an adult puppet show and you want to drink, call Josh. That's it. Okay. Jay Clark at BransonCharliesNews.com. Hit me up. <laughs> Where do you like to go? I have a couple places. There Don't couple, say the puppet show. No. <laughs> there are a couple out-of-the-way places, a uh, couple lakes, uh, rivers, streams that are really great to go and just sort of get away. As far as here in town, there are so many places in town where it's, it's, it's almost like Cheers. It's that small-town vibe where you go into a bar or a restaurant or a club or a pub or a show, and people know you. People know your name. So, so everybody I, at the adult puppet show knows your name. <laughs> I just want to make sure we're clear about this. Yes. Yes. I, I'll allow that. <laughs> we have an admission on the air. <laughs> where are the wagons? The wagon is too slow. Can't you ride? It's not that he can't ride. How is it you put it home? They're dangerous at both ends and crafty in the middle. Why would I want anything with a mind of its own bobbing about between my legs? When you're dealing with a, with a town that's got something like 30 different theaters and an event you can go to every single day of the week and every month, I mean, you, you never run out. My next guests, and that's plural, there are six of them. One is missing in action today, but we won't talk about them. Maybe not. No. Uh, no, we won't do that. Uh, they got their television debut on a show I used to watch. This is scary. The Osmond Brothers. Really? Yeah. Yes, of course. Oh, cool. Yeah, I did the very first story on the Osmond Brothers when I was at Newsweek, so I went on tour with them. Little Donnie and Marie. Oh, yeah. yeah. Way back then. Way wow. back then, yeah. Uh, but that was 1978, and then all of a sudden, here you are. Yes. All of a sudden. <laughs> and you guys are real brothers. We are real brothers. brothers. The Knudsen uh, brothers. Yeah. Yep, right. That is correct. And how long have you been performing in, in, in Branson? We... 11 years. Yeah. So they haven't found out yet? No, they have not. Okay. <laughs> I'm just double checking. I mean, they have been looking, but no. 
What, what, other than it was an available gig, what brought you here and what keeps you here? Well, actually, interestingly enough, the brother that's missing today, he's the one that paved the way for us out to Branson. He came out. So he's out paving today. No, yes, he, that's right. He came he's out. Paving. He came out because he wanted to check Branson out for us. He'd heard about it, and he was interested in it. So. And we have one of the stupid brothers with the phone still on. I love yes. it. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. So sorry. So, so sorry. Was, so he was it paving the me. way. Yeah, it was you. I saw it. But anyway, he came out here. He started talking to the Hughes family, who owns their own theater in town. And they set up a showcase for us in 2006. So you did essentially an audition. Yep. Right. And we had about 500 people show up from the town. We were received very well. And then we started here in November of 2006. So you've been here 11 years. It's 11 years. Amazing. 11 years. How would you describe your show? That's High energy show without instruments. So it's all a cappella. All vocal, yes. Wow. And that's how you guys started, really. Uh -huh. It really is. We couldn't afford instruments. But where are you originally from? Well, we were all born in different states, so that's a very good question. So basically your dad was a member of the Witness Relocation Program? Probably. Or something like probably. that. Probably. He that's could have been a fugitive. It's all we can tell. It's all okay. hazy. Well, if he's in the Witness Relocation Program, he is a fugitive. Okay. <laughs> I just thought I'd mention that. <laughs> so what states were you guys born in? Uh, well, You're uh, ranging from I Iowa? Was, uh, Washington State. Texas, Arizona, New Mexico. Wow. You know, where states good states where you can hide out. And then while you were being born in those five states, the other brother was out paving. And yes. Okay, double, yes. I'm just making sure I got that. But when you do a show like that, it's this is a different audience, isn't it? It is. It Mid is. Midwest we audience. Midwestern audiences, they're very polite people, and um, sometimes they can be mistaken for being a little less, a little less enthusiastic, but they're just polite. They don't want to be and, rude. And they're appreciating it. They're very much oh, appreciative. Oh, yeah, very appreciative. And the thing is... This is not heavy metal. This is not rock and roll. This is a cappella. Uh huh. With well, it's a, a very eclectic uh, mix of. Sometimes we do heavy metal. Any anything really? from the 50s all the <laughs> oh, way to today. Don't start. <laughs> we have. We actually have done some hard rock songs. Okay. Acapella. We had yeah. Aerosmith in one year. Yeah. Uh -huh. Really? Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. We do dream on anything and everything, any, every genre. And what keeps you here? I think the I... the the. the we all, we've all raised mostly our, our kids here because we've all been here for, for 11 years. And so our, our kids have, 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 this is a great place. It is. Like it's, I, it's, are you, are you, guys, you guys all fathers? Uh -huh. Yeah. Yes. Like I so have, you're raising your family. Uh -huh. so you're I have right? an eight-year-old. She right. was born and raised here. Is she out paving today too? No. Okay, fine. <laughs> no, she's at home. Okay. But no, the bottom line is you've made a conscious choice to stay here because of the environment. And yes. there are great people here too. It's an easygoing lifestyle here in Branson. Uh, there's not a heck of a lot of pressure. Uh, you can, it's just a nice, easygoing way of life out here in the Midwest. Now, what's your performing schedule? How often in a given 12-month period are you actually on stage? Um, we, we do about, we, we open up in March, and then we go through usually like the third weekend of December. And so we do about, what, about 230 shows a year? Wow. Well, yep, close to that, yep. Yeah. And that's what a lot of the performers do here. Yes. yes. They're working all the time. Yes. Wow. Now, you got a song for me today? We do. What's the name of the song? It's, uh, oh, we can't tell you. <laughs> it's called Paving. It's called, <laughs> it's called Paving. paving <laughs> okay, guys, let's hear it. What are we doing? Okay. Paving. All right. Paving. All right. <clears throat> 
been listening to Peter Greenberg Worldwide. Catch us each week as we broadcast from a new location somewhere around the world. Hey, Prime members, Peter Greenberg here. You can listen to Ion Travel ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today, and you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus and Apple Podcasts. And before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com. If you travel, you know when it comes to love. See you soon. Can't wait. The sky is no limit. You know with your Delta Amex card, being oceans apart means meeting in Aruba. And booking a war travel with your card means saving 15% on Delta flights. You know kissing under the bridge of size guarantees eternal love. Because you're the long-distance lovebirds. It's why you're a Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card member. If you travel, you know. Takeoff 15 discount not applicable to partner-operated flights or taxes and fees. Terms apply. Visit go.amex slash you know. The early 2000s was a breeding ground for bad reality competition series. From shows like Kid Nation, CBS's weird Lord of the Flies-style social experiment that took 40 kids to live by themselves in a ghost town, to... The Swan, a horrifying concept where women spent months undergoing a physical transformation and then were made to compete in a beauty pageant. Hi, I'm Misha Brown, and I'm the host of Wondery's podcast, The Big Flop. Each episode, comedians join me to chronicle one of the biggest pop culture fails of all time and try to answer the age-old question, who thought this was a good idea? Recently on The Big Flop, we looked at the reality TV show, The Swan. The problem, this dream opportunity quickly became a viewing nightmare. They were isolated for weeks, berated, operated on, and then were ranked by a panel of judges. Follow The Big Flop on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts.